The portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a little while this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's begin with prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen redeemer. Amen. There's a big difference between a a traveler who knows he's lost and a lost traveler who has no idea that he's lost. Trying to think of a good example to, to, to paint this picture for you with GPS these days. I think it's getting harder and harder for us. If you have a smartphone, you probably have GPS that can be used on the road, on a hiking trail, on the water, right? But it wasn't that long ago that if you took a Colorado vacation and you went hiking in the mountains, if you lost your sense of direction, if your compass wasn't working, if you didn't have a good map, might be some panic. So consider the difference of a hiker in the Colorado mountains, who's lost and knows it, and someone who thinks they know exactly where they're going, but their north is actually south. The person who knows it is probably going to stay put. Maybe they have a trail. They're going to look for other hikers on the trail. They're going to what? Look for help, right? Because they know they need it. They don't know which way is north, which way is south, which way is east or west. They're not going to start going in a direction if they're not sure which way they're going. They know it. They're lost and they need help. But that person who thinks they know which way is north, but they're actually wrong. North is south. It doesn't matter which way they're they're trying to go. As they go, they'll be going the opposite direction they think they are going. And every step they take, their situation becomes worse and worse. They're lost, but they have no idea. In our text, you heard about two groups of people One's lost and knows it. The other's lost and has no clue. That, that first group of people, the, the tax collectors, and then you saw it in, your, in the text, the quote-unquote sinners, they're lost and they know it. These are the people who have broken God's commands and there's no, nobody's arguing that. <laughs> no, nobody's denying that. 
The quote-unquote sinners are the people who you pick a commandment, it doesn't matter which one. Maybe it was murder. Maybe it was theft. Maybe it was adultery or any of the others. But they had broken God's commands and, and they knew it. They were sinners. Then there were these tax collectors. Forgive me for boring you if you know, know the deal, but the tax collectors were the guys who worked for the Roman government. They were usually Jewish. They, they were viewed as traitors because they would show up at the house of a fellow countryman or at your business and they would have a Roman soldier standing over each shoulder and they'd basically take whatever they wanted. The Roman government told them this is how much money you need to bring us and if you want to make any more money you got to take money on top of that and with the muscle standing behind them they could demand whatever they wanted and, and they were often very dishonest. They took way more than they needed to and so these people were Outcasts, essentially. They all knew they were sinners. They knew they needed help, and this is Luke 15, right? So it's kind of in the middle of the gospel. A lot of things have been happening. And they've heard a lot about Jesus, the miracles that he had performed, the the things that he had done that proved that he wasn't just a man, but the Son of God, that he was talking about forgiveness for sins, that he was claiming to be the promised Messiah, the savior of the world. And so these people who are lost and know they need help, what are they doing? They're gathering around Jesus to listen. Maybe he can give us the guidance we need. And then we got this other group of people, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who are watching this happen. And they're looking at Jesus as if this is some sort of knock on him for being in the presence of these awful people. These open sinners, maybe Jesus doesn't really care about God's law. Maybe he doesn't think it's a big deal. Maybe he's belittling their sin. They've clearly disobeyed him. How can he associate with these people? And so Jesus takes the opportunity to teach. And he uses these two parables. And you can imagine he's really addressing the Jewish leadership. They're the ones who were lost but didn't know it. And so he uses these two parables to help open their eyes to see the fact that they are lost. He says, all right, put, your, put yourself in the shoes of a shepherd. Let's imagine you Jewish elites, you pastor types, you, you professors, you church people. Let's imagine that you own 100 sheep and one of them gets lost. What are you going to do? Are you just going to say, ah, it's only one. I still got 99 left. Or are you going to go find it? Of course you're going to go find it. it it's valuable to you. You, you love it. It's, it's your possession. You're going to go find that sheep. It's a no-brainer, right? Jesus even uses a word that acknowledges a point to the Jewish leaders. Okay, the Jewish leaders are looking at this happening and they're saying, these people, the tax collectors, the sinners, they're outsiders. They're outside the church. They're not even trying to do it right. And so Jesus uses the word go out. If you lose a sheep, you're going to go out. You're not going to stay in. You're going to go out, right? And find that sheep. So what's the point? If one of these sinners, these tax collectors, has strayed away, we go out and find them, right? But at that point, the Jewish leaders would say, well, we're the 99, and they're the one. 
So they might view themselves as not lost, right? Because the 99 weren't lost. We're, We're the ones in the church. And so Jesus tells a second parable. One about 10 coins that belonged to a a woman. And the interesting thing here is these coins are inanimate objects. They don't know a thing, right? Whether they're in the the coin purse, all 10 together, or one's lying in a corner under the rug, what do the coins know? (laughs) Nothing. If the lady looks in the pouch and sees that one is missing, who, who knows that the coin is lost? Just the woman. And, and you may have noticed, since they're coins, and, and since she's searching the house, this is all happening inside the house. You don't go out to find a lost coin in, in, a, in the wilderness. It's inside the house. And the coins don't have a clue. But how does the woman search? Carefully, intently. It literally says she seeks carefully. She's turning the house upside down to find that lost coin. What's Jesus' point? Pharisees, teachers of the law, if, if a sheep is lost or if a coin is lost, I look for it. It doesn't matter if it's inside the house or outside the house. It doesn't matter if it's inside the sheep pen or outside the sheep pen. If one of my people is lost, I go after them. Now that's really good news, isn't it? It it doesn't matter if you're lost and you know it, or if you're lost and you don't know it. It doesn't matter if you're lost outside the church or lost inside the church. Jesus is going to look for you. Before we get into the good news too much more, I want you to just put yourself back in the shoes of these Pharisees for a minute and and understand what they're wrestling with. This is a scary place to be. A a lot of people would would hear these two parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin. They say, good, my, my son who's fallen away from the church, who doesn't go to church anymore, he hasn't gone to church for years, he's clearly lost, And Jesus is looking for him. This brings great comfort to my heart. Or maybe you say my granddaughter who's going through kind of a turbulent teenage period of time doesn't seem to care about God's word anymore. And she's strayed far, far away from God and seems to be an unbeliever by the way she talks. Well, Jesus goes after the lost, so he's going to go get her. We take comfort in that. But there's a reason Jesus didn't stop with the first parable. It wasn't just to comfort the Pharisees to say, don't worry guys, I got this. I'm going after the lost sheep. Sometimes when you think Jesus goes for the lost out there, you forget a very important fact about right here. You can be lost inside the church. You you could think you're found but actually be lost. And and the reason I can say that with such confidence is because we're all lost from the minute we begin. From the moment we're conceived, we're lost. And we hate that idea. Christians around the world have rejected the idea of original sin, that, that we inherit sin from our parents all the way back to Adam and Eve. Because if that's true, 
It means you never had a chance. It means you never had a chance to obey God's law perfectly. It means you never had a chance to be what God wanted you to be. It means you were worthy of hell from the moment you were conceived, and that seems so unfair to us. And yet it's true. From the minute you were conceived, from the minute I was conceived, we were lost. And we prove just how lost we are each and every single day of our lives as that sinful condition inside of our heart is revealed. Every single one of you has taken time out of your Sunday morning to be here. For so many people in the world, this is an unfathomable concept. You get two days off a week. Two. You get up and you go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for most of you. Some of you have odd shift hours. But most people who work, Monday to Friday, you get two days off. Sunday's the better one because it's the day when you could kind of recover from all your fun on Saturday and get ready for a new week. But here you are, getting up, not that early, but early enough, coming here, when you could be doing so many other things. You're here. It'd be easy for you to say, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it the way God wants me to do it. I'm doing the right thing. I'm getting up and I'm going to church with my parents or without my parents. I'm here to listen to God's word. But if for one moment you start to think, God loves me because I'm doing it right. Like these Pharisees. We're we're doing it right. We have the right clothes on. They're doing it wrong. Jesus, you're associating with the wrong people. And he says, the problem is not just that you think I'm making a mistake associating with them. The problem is that you are lost too. And you don't even know it. This is why it's such good news that Jesus seeks the lost, period. It's not Jesus seeks the lost who know it. It's Jesus seeks the lost. Even those who don't. Even those who think they're doing it right. Even those who think they've got it all figured out. Who think God loves them because of how they're living. Jesus seeks all the lost. The Father sent his Son to come into this world to die for the world, to pay the price for your sins and my sins, for the sins of those who know that they're sinners and the sins of those who don't know that they're sinners. And what does it look like when someone's found? Did you catch those details in our text? At the end of both parables, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's hyperbole. It's not that there's people who don't need repentance, right? The point here, he's, he's over speaking to make the point. The point here is that when a person repents, heaven rejoices. Second one, in the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So what does it look like when God finds someone who's lost? Whether they know they're lost or don't know that they're lost, it looks like Repentance. Remember what repentance is? It's when God, through his word, 
makes you aware that you're lost. That's where it starts. It's acknowledging that truth, that reality. I was conceived lost. On my own, I'm lost. I'm the lost one, not them, me. That's the first part. The second part of repentance is God pointing you to your Savior, Jesus, who seeks all the lost, and you, and you acknowledge that's, that's true. That's real. I'm lost, and Jesus is seeking me, and he's found me. And then the third part is acknowledging that I can't please God on my own. I even rely on him to work in me the good works that he expects of me. That's repentance. It's acknowledging reality. I'm lost. God sent his son to find me. And now as I live to obey him, I'm going to even rely on him for the ability to do it. And the angels in heaven rejoice. God has sent his son to find another lost sheep. My encouragement to you this week, as you go out into the world, you you undoubtedly know a lot of people who are lost. So do I, right? Some of them know that they're lost. Others don't. Find ways to bring the word of God into their life. To help open their eyes, to see their lost condition, and to see the Son of God who is diligently, carefully looking for them. Maybe you take this, this sermon and you, and you share it with them. You say, hey, watch this. Just listen to this. Maybe you use your own mouth to tell them that God loves them and is looking for them and he's seeking all the lost. But every single day, my prayer is that you would spend time in God's word this week. Even if it's just a short amount of time. Just enough time for him to show you your lost condition, for him to show you your Savior who's looking for you, and so that you can ask him for the strength to live a life that is pleasing to him this week. Revel in the truth that Jesus seeks the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you. We praise you for sending your Son to seek not just some of the lost, but, but all of the lost. We ask that you would humble us this week, that that you would lead us to look in the mirror of your word to see our lost condition every single day, that you would lead us to, to be so, so thankful that you have come to find all the lost, including us. Give us the strength to live lives that are pleasing to you, to, to love our neighbor, to love what is pleasing to you, to love everything that you love, to love all the lost, those who know it and those who don't. Give us the, the, the boldness to share your love with everyone we meet. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus, who came to find me, us. Amen.